You're listening to The Report Card. The Report Card podcast is a commentary show about contemporary American politics and international affairs with your hosts, Scott Dworkin and Grant Stern, where they grade what they're seeing in the news each week. Invite activists, elected officials, and newsmakers to chat and to take your questions, too. You're listening to The Report Card. And I'm your host, Grant Stern. I'm your co-host, Scott Dworkin. How are you, Grant? I am especially good today, and we have some amazing, amazing guests, and I want to reel them off real quick and thank them all for joining us tonight, along with you guys, our wonderful listening audience. I see a lot of regulars out there. So tonight on the program, we have Daniel Alfelder. He is a candidate for Florida's attorney general. Uh, he's running as a Democrat, also known as the Grim Reaper, alternatively as DeSantis's worst enemy, although he has a list, so... We have to check that twice. Along with Dan, we've got Brooklyn dad, Majid Padalan, who is joining us again, and we've sound-checked him this time, so it's going to be awesome. We also have Dr. Natalia Solonkova. She's a medical doctor and PhD uh, in Florida. She's going to be joining us live. And Lauren Windsor, the undercover investigative journalist of The Undercurrent. She is going to join us, tell us about Ron Johnson's role in the insurrection so where do we begin where do we begin what a crazy day huh that's a great question i I would like to start with and i know we don't like talking about him but i want to start with trump's response to the hearing today on true social he called uh, cassie hutchinson a a wacko total bullshit artist a leaker a phony bad news a third-rate social climber and he said he never would have made her clean up ketchup because he hardly knew her. That's the reason why. He wouldn't have made her clean it up because he hardly knew her. Anyways, but he, he I, didn't I just, deny he didn't deny no, using nothing. ketchup on everything. Oh he so. said that he didn't didn't strangle his <laughs> secret service agent either. I mean like, there's too much. I did that, not strangle my secret service agent. I didn't agent grab for the, the steering wheel that, that innocent people always have to make. I didn't grab for um, the steering wheel either in the beast. Like I, I imagine if Barack Obama ever grabbed for the steering wheel in the beast. I mean, like Republicans would act like you know he needed to be deported. I mean, I I don't I don't I don't know how anybody can stand by this whack job anymore. But I'm not surprised that they are um, because they're just as whack job as as he is. So, well, I mean, I think what's uh, appalling, but Cassidy Hutchinson brought to light today, is just the depth of complicity yeah that these folks have depth yeah their complicity has a deepness fall in line bro fall in line or else like yeah i mean wow just these folks are they're brazen man like they're like hey you know our insurrection didn't work out mark and i kind of blame you for it but i'm gonna give you a million dollars to keep you quiet is that okay I mean, that's what Trump essentially did. That'll never get charged. That's one of those things where, you know, you call up the the watchdogs and they say, well, it's not illegal, but don't you think it should be? (laughs) Right. Um, But this is just uh, beyond the pale, beyond the pale. Uh, Even for Trump, I think that this was a, a super damaging day. I mean, look at Fox's reaction. Oh, They're yeah, that was Hunter crazy. Yeah. yeah. They they couldn't even plead the fifth. They're like, we have to plead insanity today. 
And it was crazy. Remember when, um, I don't know if you remember back in 2016, but I got some job offers. Do you remember the job offers, the, the catch with those job offers of a, one of them was like a marketing consultant and it was working once a month on a conference call. And the one catch was you can't use social media. And I was like, <laughs> this is, this has always been interesting to me. Um, you know, I, I'm glad I never took those job offers because I was always wondering why they reached out in the first place. But uh, I think we know exactly why now. I mean, obviously I knew right then because I'm not stupid, but I wanted to see where it would go. Uh, <laughs> yeah, anyway. Well, Got to find here. out what's going on somehow, right? Here uh, we are. Everybody can hear me, by the way. And uh, I just want to tell everybody that we're going to take your call-ins. So, um, you know, feel free to hit that little button. It looks like a telephone at the bottom right corner, and then you can call in. Um, we are going to – it's going to take a little while, and, uh, you know, we're going to get to everybody. So just, uh, you know, when you're ready to call in, call in. Um, if you're a speaker, of course, we're going to invite you to the stage and hang out, and we'll call you in in just a second uh, whenever we're ready for you because we've got, like, a nice little run of show. And this is a live show, so anything can happen. Thanks for joining us. And, oh, by the way uh, – if you tweet out the link to the show tonight, we will look for it. We will retweet you, and Scott will retweet one of your other tweets too. So, absolutely. Hey, uh, let the world know that we're on the report card. Thank you, thank you. And with that, I'd like to welcome our first guest, Daniel Alfelder. Daniel, yes. thank you so much for joining us on the show tonight. Go ahead and hit that unmute button, Daniel, in the bottom right-hand corner. Looks like a little microphone. Oh, that's something that if you call in, you'll get Hello. to use yeah. too. I did it. Is that? Am I on? Yeah, yeah you're on. here. You welcome, <laughs> welcome. Thanks, Thanks for us. taking the time, future Attorney well, General no. of Florida. No, I, I, I wouldn't miss it. You guys are. This has been a big day, and I can't imagine uh, spending it with anybody other than you guys to talk about it right now. This is this is historic. It's historic. It's it's um. It's almost like I like watching the old Sopranos and the Godfather and the, the old, you know, uh, the old the gangster movies because this is he's a gang. It's a gangst. We just watched a gangster, a criminal enterprise, on in, in life. I mean, that's what it was. I mean, go back in, you know in the fifties they had the, the the old mafia bosses coming and that's. I mean, he's intimidating witnesses. I mean, it, it, I mean, this guy is a gangster. He's a criminal. And we're just, we've kind of, he hasn't been on Twitter for a while. We haven't seen him much, but I mean, it's nice. Yeah, this is what it is. It's a criminal enterprise. He always has been. He's, you know, he's, it's, I'm not surprised by what we saw today, but it is the, the details, the, the length to which he's gone. And not just him, but all these other people below him, Meadows. I mean, he's sitting there on the couch. Oh, they've got weapons. Oh, is that, am I supposed to be surprised by that? I mean, why are you bothering me telling me about them bringing weapons? What did you think they were going to bring? Like, you know, a, a guard game? I mean, it's it just, it's it just, I don't know. It, 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 it's hard to be speechless, but I'm a little speechless when I think about Mark Meadows sitting there on the couch, his assistant coming in saying, hey, this is what's going to happen. And he just says, why are you, basically, why are you bothering me with this information? Right? Yeah. Or, or more like, well, I know, I know this is happening. So like, this is not even news. Like, this is the right. plan. Like, he's why are like, you? Why are you? You weren't on. You weren't in on the. the why, is this news to you? What did you think was going to happen? We've been working on this for weeks. We've get them all excited. We've told them what's going to happen. 
they've got the they got the they got the equipment to hang the vice president. I mean, I mean, the Proud Boys are coming. They're all they're all here. Do you think they're here to just protest? No, they're there for violence. This was for violence. This wasn't a protest. This was a violent insurrection planned, premeditated, funded, orchestrated to the tilt. Well, let's talk about that because some of that insurrection, if you followed the the thread of not just this hearing, but the last one, um, it's just a timeline matter, but it's important. Some of the insurrection had to have been planned in Florida because Donald Trump was here until December 31st in Mar-a-Lago. Isn't that correct? Uh, I'm glad you brought that up because – one thing that was happening, in addition to planning an insurrection, we we still had the, the height of the, the COVID virus situation. And Donald Trump, he loves to have parties. You know, you know how Mar-a-Lago, it's party central. So, oh, yeah, he had a New Year's Eve party and there was a legislator named Amari Hardy who ran for Congress. And I they were violating the, the Palm Beach, because uh, the, the, Palm Beach County, where he happens to live, had some pretty strict COVID regulations. So we were all over him down there because he was not following any of the regulations. So I, I was, I knew what he was doing. He left early. He left. He doesn't leave parties very early, but he left early that time at the end of 2020. And where did he go? He went back to the White House because he had work to do. So when I'm Attorney General of the state of Florida. I might have some things to look at that happened in late 2020 in the state of Florida because there were a lot of meetings. There was some planning going on. So, And that happened in the state where I'm going to have jurisdiction. Well, not just that, but the, the bombshell at the end that at least two of the witnesses have been contacted about their testimony and reminded of their obligations to the family. Um, isn't obstructing <laughs> justice kind of like one of those universal crimes that any law enforcement agency that has jurisdiction can look into? Yes. I mean, th- that was, yes, we needed somebody, hopefully it's someone, me, hopefully I am in that position and it call, falls with my jurisdiction that yes, these wit, the family, when you contact a witness who, you know, is going to testify and you try to intimidate coerce, direct their testimony, that is a crime. And and it's clear as day we have actual, that's what happened. Not that anyone is surprised. The family, yes, the Trump family. You've been contacted by the Trump family. I mean, he admitted it. He, he there's a, He's admitted on social media, one of his, his in this other this social media site, he said that, you know, she switched lawyers. How does he know she switched lawyers? If that's true. Well, I, I think that, that that was actually uh, – that that was like reported that she had switched lawyers to – a rep- okay. uh, Yeah, that that was in the news. But, um, you know, that, well, but, that but, often but, happens but that, when people turn state's evidence. But that's a form of intimidation of a – you know, she, she, she's testified against him in an open proceeding, and he is openly criticizing her after her testimony. He's intimidated before and after. I mean, there's no there's no limit to what these folks will do in order to obstruct a true and fair investigation. 
What were you what were you most surprised about today? Like what was something that you just were like what the what is this? Like what like what was the most surprising part of the testimony today to you? Hmm. Um I was surprised uh, I don't know if I was surprised but I was impressed with her her demeanor and her her candor and her toughness and and you know she seemed very believable um i'm sure she's under an enormous amount of pressure to not do this um and i i'm I'm surprised but i'm impressed i'm impressed this country has a long history of people who are in situations you know she that not of their own making i mean clearly i'm not someone that would normally put it on a pedestal who worked for the president, but I mean, you know, she worked there, she worked there and she easily could have gone along with her boss and all these other folks that are, that are, you know, not agreeing to testify. But, but, but America is about people like this, this young woman who have decided that it's more important to tell the truth, no matter what the consequence, because she's going to have consequences to think that. Oh yeah. I mean, do you think you, they are looking over every single thing she's done her whole life, not just her, her family, her friends. You can imagine the family, we'll call the Trump family, knows everything about this. So she's having a, you know, maybe may, she may feel fairly good right now, but she's about to have everything in the world dug up on her. And she knew that. But I mean, I'm sure that she hasn't done anything wrong. But I mean, that, that, that is the most impressive that we have a system in this country where we can still have that because in a lot of countries, this woman's testimony would never see the light of day. That's so true. That what a great point. That is so true that, you know, in so many places that you would never ever see somebody on the inside witnessing a criminal conspiracy like this, uh, testify. Um, you just, you just would not see it. Uh, can you tell our listeners a little bit about where they can find out about your campaign? Yeah, you can go for to DanielForAG.com. I'm running for attorney general in the state of Florida, which is a critically important state for the future of our democracy. And I've been at the forefront of it. And, um, the, yeah, you go to DanielForAG.com, and you can learn more about why I'm running and who I am and what I hope to accomplish. Yeah, and um, I think it's really important for every Democrat to consider supporting grassroots campaigns like Daniel's campaign. Um, there's there's no big sugar mama behind the Olfelder campaign. Um, it's 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 grassroots donations. I know because I've gotten those calls from you and chipped in a couple of times because you know you're pretty you're pretty relentless, man. I got to tell you. Well, I, I, let me tell you this: what I'm fighting against is uh, there's a sitting Attorney General, Ashley Moody, who in December of 2020, went along with Ken Paxton and several other attorney generals on a brief to overturn the election. She is being funded by Florida Power and Light, tobacco, people pardoned by Donald Trump, like Ed DeBartolo. People are writing her checks for $50,000, and these are industries that she regulates. I don't the people. I don't even call. I mean, I, I get money. I mean, I'm getting. We got three thousand donations from just regular human beings, not, not tobacco, not Nextera Energy, not 
insurance companies. Yeah, it's it's tough. You know, it is a grassroots campaign, but we have a wreck. I mean, I'm blowing her out of the water in terms of number of donations, but they're not they're not what she's getting. So it is a grassroots and it, it is running for office. I haven't run for office since high school. It's not fun. It's, <laughs> and I won, but I'm not a politician and I'm and I'm not going to I'm going to say what I believe is best for Floridians. And right now, Florida is being run by Ron DeSantis in an autocratic manner. He's running the state with an iron fist. You cross him, he comes after you. Grant, you know this. I mean, I know it Grant, all too well. Grant and I are the, some of the original members of the DeSantis enemies list. Now we've got Disney. I guess they're back. They're on it for a while, I guess. But but no, he's you cross him, he comes after you. And the, but the way you go out, the way you stand up to that is you fight back. And Grant, I'm proud that you fought back, and you've got to fight back with the truth and with evidence. And that's what I always do, and I know Grant always does. He's very thorough when he puts something out there because, you know, it, it's just the way you got to be. And so we're going to beat we're going to beat Ron DeSantis' personal attorney general because um, we got to beat her. Well, Dan, again, thank you so much for joining us on the show tonight. Well, thank you guys. You guys keep doing it. Keep doing what you're doing. I appreciate your calling out the truth and, and that's all we got. You know, we got the truth and we got to keep exposing it. Awesome. Well, we'll tweet out a follow request for Dan after the show. And we'll also tweet out a donation link for his campaign. Make sure that you support his campaign. Obviously the uh, campaign for attorney general is essential to America's survival and our democracy survival. Uh, up next, we have one of the, the people who was, uh, I guess he was on an island with me and Grant and a few other people um, calling out the, the traitor when he was, you know, way back in the day. We're talking about years ago. Um, and, and it's our brother here. Um, you know, right now he's still advising Really American, uh, one of our uh, partner groups. And, and uh, you know, Majid has been just crucial. He You, you also know him as Brooklyn Dad. Um, on the internet and uh, Majid, how are you doing tonight, brother? It's nice to hear from you. We've got a call in uh, from Andrew, Andrew Meyer. Let's take the call in. Uh, Andrew, uh, you got a question for us, a comment? Well, first of all, I sent on the call in for the first time and the only room going, literally the only room that has people is your freaking room, Grant. That's amazing. <laughs> we keep busy here. We do. <laughs> so, Andrew, what did you think of the hearings stated? Did you get to watch them? No offense. I have not watched them at all. Um, you know, I did see the story of uh, some uh, Republican chick telling a story of, like, Trump is grabbing at the wheel. He He just can't wait to drive to the Capitol or whatever it is she was saying. I thought that was hilarious. Mm, I think it's pretty serious. You got any questions? I don't, I don't think that, that happened. I, I didn't think that that happened, but that's why I thought it was funny. Cause well, he wasn't even, he wasn't even riding in that thing. No, he was riding in the beast, the, the presidential, you know, vehicle. Well, somebody's somebody's lying to me. The right wingers are telling me he wasn't he wasn't even riding at that thing at that time. So somebody's lying to me. 
I don't oh, they're know talking. Who, you're talking about the SUV versus the beast. So they transfer him in vehicles, but that, like, as in which vehicle, uh, at what time, and for the off the record one, there's a separate one. So it's, it is confusing. Um, they're leaving out key details in regards to that. Um, you know, the beast is is something that he has to be transferred from if it's not an off the record transfer. So it's something that's scheduled. And for sure, and the Secret Service has clearance, a lot of times he would take an off-the-record, which would be something like that speech. So leaving in an SUV doesn't mean he arrives back at the White House without the beast or without being in it. Um, they may have a staging area. They may have something like that where he transfers. Um, I, I understand what they're saying. But also keep in mind that wherever he is, uh, it's one of those Air Force One things where wherever he is, that is the, the key component, the travel kind of a vehicle of the president. So it just depends. I, I, I totally understand what you mean, though, and I can see how that can be twisted. Um, she is under oath, and I guess that's one of the key things. And if she is lying and they didn't corroborate it already, um, she would be in, in deep trouble legally and can actually be charged with a felony. That's my thought, you know, as to whether or not she can be charged. But I do understand that is a good flag, though, for us to know, because I didn't know that it was being spun that way as well. That's very interesting, Andrew. Thank you for sharing with us. You're um, welcome. Maj- Before you kick me out of here, I just want to say, you know, it's been like three or four years since anybody with any kind of left wing profile would have me on to speak for even 10 seconds. So props <laughs> to Grant for having a, a right wing guy on to speak on his stage. Cheers, bro. Anytime. Anytime, oh, thanks man. for Anytime. thanks for showing thanks for like you know talking and being human you know like it's nice to hear from you like have it, a well, conversation here we are yeah. this is why we're on this platform to have right. conversations it's only exactly. can you guys hear me now I, I'm sure I'm sure yes. I'd be a jerk off if I if I didn't like Grant so much but because oh. I like Grant <laughs> that, that halo extends to all of you so it's like I want to speak to you as yeah. friends because I like Grant. Very cool, man. Well, Andrew, hey, we appreciate you. You're welcome here, Andrew. You're totally welcome here. And Majid, thank you so much for getting that audio straight. Now we're so excited. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> let me let me first let me just say um, that guy Andrew that you just had on, like he was so respectful. I did not know he was right wing. I, I, I did not know. Right. So that was that was a kind of nice. That was kind of a nice little uh, surprise there. But uh, speaking of surprise, right, um, I'm still kind of flabbergasted after today. And I, I know I shouldn't. I shouldn't be because, you know, we spent the past four or five years watching Trump use magic marker on a freaking hurricane. We heard that he wanted a new hurricanes. He wanted to buy Greenland. He extorted Ukraine, uh, you know, to stand back and stand by. Like, the just it's the never-ending long list of completely absurd things, right? Um, and for some – and I'm still shocked at the severity of what we heard uh, today from uh, Ms. Hutchinson. You know, I mean, I, I was I was astounded. You, you asked uh, Daniel, by the way, uh, go Daniel for uh, Florida there. Um, you asked him what was the most shocking thing. And I think it's between the ketchup dripping from the wall, the steering wheel. He tried to grab the steering wheel 
and the trying to choke. I think trying to choke out the Secret Service. That's got to be the the top most shocking thing of today. Um, and, and I think the I, most corroborate, like something that you can really corroborate. I mean, you got a limousine full of service people. Like at least, I mean, with the president involved, you got the the protector, the driver, and the guy with the football. There's got to be at least those three people. Yeah. In a vehicle. I mean, you would just assume. Now, now January 6th is very serious. All right. There's, I'm just stating that because what I'm going to say next, you know, maybe some people are not going to like it. it. You know, it's a very serious thing. There's nothing funny about it. But um, this thing with, with Trump, with his behavior, is so bizarre. The whole thing, if, when I say the whole thing, I'm wrapping Rudy Giuliani and his, his Four Seasons Total Landscaping thing in there. And, you know, and the, the 60, what was it, 65 court cases that he, that he lost all of them. I mean, you'd have, if you were the Farrelly brothers, you couldn't write a more ridiculous script than than what this Trump administration it's almost like they were trying to look as bad and as stupid as inept as possible like we lucked out a democracy lucked out that we got the bad news bears of an administration instead of you know like somebody who knew what they were doing I I, I agree with you and I got to tell you something what you're saying here um it's not only on the money, but you know I've I've been reporting on uh, the case of of Jason Miller, who's featured prominently throughout these hearings. Who was, uh, I guess, he was the senior advisor to the last campaign. He was almost like a campaign manager, um, mm-hmm. and AJ Delgado, who was a senior advisor to the 2016 campaign when Miller was the communications director. And right. as many people know, the story is that you know they had. A baby, and now they have a perpetual court fight, um, which I was actually uh, in Zoom court for today. Details in a future column, I promise. Wow. AJ said, of all the things that happened today, she thought the worst thing, the thing that would upset Trump the most, was being humiliated by these revelations. The humiliation, she thought, would be the number one thing that would royal you know, that will ruffle feathers. So I think it's amazing. You actually came to pretty much the same conclusion. I feel like Trump is beyond humiliation though, because I mean, is he either beyond humiliation or he's got no self-awareness because the dude, look, how old is he? Is more accurate. I think the latter is so much more accurate because he's, is he, you know, 74 years old, right? Yeah. So you don't get to be 74 and not have a clue about how your actions, your behavior is perceived. You know, you, you know, you, you, you tend to self-reflect, right? Look, when I was younger, when I was younger, uh, fun fact, I was a little bit of a Karen, okay, in the fast food, <laughs> the fast food <laughs> restaurant. I was, I was probably a little bit of a dick. Yeah, let me talk to your manager. Yeah, I was a tough guy. But, um, you know, my kids hated it, right? They hated it. And so I had to reflect. I had to look at the what I was doing. And the point is I was trying to, 
teach my kids, don't look, don't accept just any old way people want to treat you. Feel free to speak out. You have a voice, use it. But after that, I kind of mellowed out because I self I reflected. I was like, wait a minute. You're being a dick to people who are like making minimum wage. That's not cool. There's got to be a better way to communicate, right? But Trump doesn't have that. He doesn't have that gear to switch from, oh, wait, I shouldn't have spoken to that person. He, you know, he, he goes to uh, that uh, G7 thing and pushes the leader of Montenegro out of the way and doesn't see anything wrong with that. You know what I mean? Uh, oh, yeah, um, we know what you mean. And, and, and let me just say this. You know, I, I think that it's, um, you know, there, I'm not a psychologist. I'm not an armchair psychologist. I'm I'm not a medical professional, but the man has all the <laughs> hallmarks of, of someone with narcissistic personality disorder, which is unlimited callousness and self-absorption and delusions of grandeur. What Mary um, Trump call her on a uh, column on a, our show? The sociopath. Oh, she's so good. So yeah, I think she called him a sociopath I mean, that was responsible for the death of hundreds of thousands of Americans via COVID. Well, I mean, there was look that that other show with Bandy Lee. She said that uh, having Trump as president during COVID would be worse than having no president at all. Doctor Bandy um, Lee, she's a psychiatrist from Harvard, <laughs> I think. Yeah, she's yeah. not wrong. Yeah. But but Mary Trump you, is the best Trump. She is the best. Yeah, Trump. but exactly. But I'm going to tell you right now that if you've ever met somebody with nar- NPD, true NPD, like diagnosed or known. Uh-huh. The self-awareness is not there. The only thing that's there is the desires, the the want, the seeking. Mm. It's like they're like uh, uh they don't need they they hate drugs, but they act like coke addicts with whatever it is that they want. They just want it. Period. End of story. The wow. doc mentioned in the in the chat here, she's she's going to come on in a minute, but she said he doesn't care how he's perceived. Ligant narcissist doesn't care of what he looks to others. And I, I mean, I think, you know, it, it's kind of like, I don't know. He uses that, those shameful acts to cover up the last one, right? He uses that and he kind of bounces off of it and feeds from it. He's like, oh, yeah, that's terrible. But it kind of leaves the other thing behind. So he kind of bounces from one thing to another. It's not like, I mean, it's evil. You have to have like, no morals, no care. You have to not give a crap about people or your family or, you know, respect or anything. Like you can't, you, you just have to not care about any Again, of that. And it, that, that is how extreme narcissists are. It totally, totally is. Um, hey, we had a caller there and uh, we, we would like to take your call in so we can all chat. Um, and if you'd like to call in, obviously this is a good chance. You can hit the little, uh, phone button in the bottom right-hand corner, and uh, that's why we're on call-in, so we can all have these discussions. It's a lot of fun. And take a second, tweet out the link, let us know. We will retweet you because, well, we like to tell our friends, and we love it when our friends tell our friends to come join us on the show. So uh, this is uh, North Sasquatch. Thank you for joining us, and thank you for calling in tonight. What's your comment or question? Hey, do you think these hearings are going to uh, eventually lead to some sort of criminal prosecution trial? And if not, do you think they do more harm than good where it's just like you've uh, made clear all these transgressions that have happened, but then nothing gets done about them? 
That's a can great I, can question. I take a, can I take I a love stab that at question. answering this one? Absolutely, yeah, Majid. Go ahead, Majid. That, that was a great question, North. Yeah, Thank great you. question. Thank you. It, it's a fantastic question. And I, I want to say that the only other trial that I've seen where the prosecution – and I know it's not a trial. It's a hearing. But it feels like a trial because of the way the January 6th committee is presenting its mounds and mounds of evidence. It's a very methodical uh, procedure. Uh, it's very well thought out, and it's very thorough. The only other case that I saw uh, evidence you know, presented in such an airtight fashion was the case against Derek Chauvin. And I remember thinking, I remember being worried that he wasn't going to be prosecuted because we've, we've seen that kind of, you know, uh, lopsided justice all uh, the Philando time. Philando Castile. Philando Castile. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and a lot of us may be a little uh, gun shy. I hate that, the, uh, that phrase, but I can't think of another one, you know, yeah, because uh, the Mueller report was a big swing and a miss. Both impeachment hearings, he didn't get convicted, you know, so uh, we might be a little cynical or pessimistic, but this is the most optimistic I have felt. I feel like they are presenting such such a an insurmountable amount of evidence that Merrick Garland cannot ignore how how much Trump needs to be prosecuted. I can't, I can't uh, say it any other way. Like it's, it's unavoidable. If he doesn't prosecute after all of this evidence has been presented, then he needs to lose his job. It's that simple. And I'm not, I'm not like a fire Merrick Garland thing. I'm just saying, you know, if you're a ba professional baseball player and somebody chucks a ball underhanded to you and they leave it fat over the center of the middle of the plate. If you don't knock that out, you, you suck. Yeah. I mean, and, and let me follow up on, on what Majid said and tell you guys uh, something that we heard on this pod last week from Glenn Kirshner. Um, Glenn, of course, former federal prosecutor. And, and he mentioned that, how important it is that Congress is investigating because otherwise we might not hear any of this if everything was handled by a special counsel like Robert Mueller. You know, you don't get to hear the the grand jury testimony. It's all secret. And, you know, what you said that he just can't ignore it because it's just right there in his eyes. Well, hey, we're already starting to see they're seizing cell phones from uh, John Eastman and – they they just raided Jeffrey Clark, the former uh, acting, uh, the the former head of the civil division, um, you know, who featured prominently in the last hearing. So uh, this is uh, it's it's definitely an expanding situation that is, I think, going to turn out better than the Mueller report. And let me just add this last thought: we don't have a politically hostile Justice Department anymore, either. You know, and think yeah. about like all the stuff that Bill Barr did in the last. I mean, he basically said, I will cheat, lie and steal except for this election. Mm -hmm. Cover general indeed. 
Keep in mind also, Glenn Kirshner mentioned this on the show a few weeks ago. He had mentioned that presenting, and this this really boggles my mind, and I think about this every time I think about Garland, uh, that it, we, we may have never seen any of this evidence ever, ever, if not years from now, for sure, um, if it weren't in this order, where it's the January 6th committee presenting the evidence to the public and then potential prosecution. So waiting on prosecution and not having grand juries right now apparently makes it so that this evidence is available to us. So I, I hope to God that, you know, today, I mean, today is too far, right? Today it's gone way too, it's gone off the rails beyond everything. They have to make, they have to make act. They have to take action. Uh, I think that the really, really, they're kind of stepped in it with this fake elector scheme. And I think their fingerprints are all over it. I think there's emails, text messages, phone calls. It's just, it's too intensive. It's a felony. It's a felony to think about it, to plan for it, to to actually try and implement it. I mean, we're talking about different felonies every step of the process. And then people acting like, well, it wasn't part of the murder, but, I, you know, I just opened the door. Like, no, like everyone involved needs to be arrested. But I, I mean, I, I get I'm going to be hesitant and just assume the worst at the moment and, you know, go from there. Cause I just, you know, I, I, I'm like everybody else. I don't want to get people excited, uh, about it. Uh, but I mean like, yeah, if you, you there's criminal acts, there has to be action and it's gotta be soon or else we're going to see another insurrection and a bunch of mini insurrections in every state and in, in the, across the country. And, and let me you, give you a final I, thought. Final I'm thought sorry. real quick. Uh, okay. Yeah, um, which is that? Uh, oh, geez, you, I lost my train of thought. So go ahead. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> yes, I'm sorry because what I had to say was completely it was completely irrelevant. It had nothing to do with anything other than this show. And I just wanted to say I noticed that when you guys talk, you sound like like nice and smooth and like nice tone like we're on NPR. Hey guys, what's going on? And my voice, I I'm, I had to apologize. I didn't even realize I was yelling until I listened to you guys like wait a minute. My ears don't hurt when I listen to them. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay, you know. He had me Grant, he taught me how to speak into a microphone. Instead of talking like this, which is how I used to talk into my, and then it'd be a little pitchy where I could be like this, and it's like, hey, guys, how, how are you doing tonight? Like, no, that it, it doesn't work like that. Trust me, it's taken years of work. It's not, oh, speaking of shows, uh, shameless promotion? Uh, something, uh, you want to tell us exactly how people can oh. subscribe to your show and then All anything right. else you're working on? Yeah, yes, yeah. Tell that. us, tell us. I'm, uh, I have a show on YouTube. It is called Storytime with BDD. And if you just do a search in YouTube for that, all of my videos will pop up and you can click on my channel and subscribe to it and I, I come with uh, very interesting content and uh, fun fact uh, that not everybody knows but a few people know I am going to New Zealand um, for a little vacation that's where my wife is from um, and we met we actually met on Twitter and she moved here wow. she moved here from the United States to be with with me um, 
And so this is her first time back home. This will be her first time back home in like four years. So that's amazing. Oh, wow. Congratulations. To, thank you. I, I plan to be doing a few episodes of the show from New Zealand, hopefully getting some really nice um, backgrounds to shoot from. That's the goal. Oh, I am sure you are going to. Uh, Majid, thank you so much for joining us. It's really been a pleasure. We should do this more often. Indeed. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. No, for sure. And, um, you know, moving on to one of my favorite doctors in the entire world, uh, Dr. Natalia Selenkova, and I'm probably uh, butchering it like I always do, but she's a medical doctor and intensivist, physician, and delegate uh, international Medical Graduate Section of the Governing Council for the American Medical Association. Also studying, Doc, I think you're studying. In, you, did you, you just finish law school? I finished master's in healthcare law. Oh, healthcare law. Sorry. You know, there's there's a lot. There's a lot here, Doc. You know, I, I just want to make sure that I get everything here. How How are you doing today? You know, are you in Florida right now? Uh, hi, hi, Grant, and hi, Scott. Yes, I'm in Florida right now. Awesome. How are things with uh, Governor DeSantis down there? <laughs> well, every day is something new happening, you know, and uh, it's a lot of things that are happening, public health related or now um, the abortion, the reproductive health related. So, um as we know, he's promised to um, make abortions illegal in Florida. They're not abortions are not illegal right now. Right. So, yeah. Well, how, how does actually, how does Roe v. Wade? How does the decision affect everything in the medical community for you right now? Like, how are you? How do you think it's going to play out overall? Well. You know, it doesn't require me to, like, guess and think. We have facts. There are facts in World Health Organization. There are facts in CDC. And we know that every country that banned abortions in the past ended up with high higher mortality of women and children. So those are facts. And we know that if we ban uh, access to abortions... Uh, the number of abortions is not different. It's just safe abortions are not going to happen. What's going to happen that women who have funds, they will travel to other states that provide abortions. Women who have no funds will try to do something on their own. Either they're going to be using uh, knitting needles, uh, bike rods and crochet hooks to try and abort uh, the pregnancy or it sounds go. so awful. It sounds so awful, but actually there is a museum uh, of contraception and abortion in Vienna that has all the hooks and all kinds of tools that women have used for uh, ages to try to abort their pregnancies. So it has happened and uh, it will happen again. And um, basically, women will come to the hospital several days after they have tried something, and they will come with severe infection or bleeding, or they and they will be dying. And uh, another thing is that um, 
they you know they will go to some basement type of offices and procedures will be done not even by physicians there will be uh, not even medical professionals, which has happened historically. and uh, But they will be looking for those procedures and uh, they will die. And the other thing is that it is known that unwanted kids also die because depending on the reason why the woman is seeking for an abortion, right? Uh, maybe it's a social reason. Maybe a, wo- a woman just doesn't want to have a kid. And those kids also I mean, they're not welcome. They are at high risk of dying. So that's statistics. Well, we're in Florida, right? And and I'm just going to say this. Uh, when you talk about people going out and getting DIY abortions, women doing this, um, in Miami, there's an infamous case where people were getting butt enhancement surgery from an unlicensed doctor and we called this person the butt doctor. If you just might look at Google Miami butt doctor. Oh, I'm, so just I'm imagine well how much there. unlicensed craziness is going to happen um, well, if exactly. there's a, a serious ban. Exactly. And the thing is that with the unlicensed plastic surgeries, if you look dead patients plastic surgery Florida, you will see how many women died in the last several years, women that are coming from all over the states, and they're getting uh, Brazilian butt, and then they end up on the ICU bed. I have taken care of some of the victims, and I know that, yes, if females are going to start seeking for unlicensed uh, abortions, they will end up in the ICU, we will be taking care of them. Wow. So, I mean, I want your personal opinion. Um, it, it not, I mean, you know, you, you've just taken the healthcare law uh, masters, so I think you've got an educated opinion. Um, there are several cases going on to try and stop Ron DeSantis's law from going into effect this Friday, uh, which would ban abortions, I think, at 15 weeks uh, with very limited exceptions. Um, so do you think that Florida's constitutional right to privacy – which was enacted by a forward-thinking group of women in, I believe, 1980 or 81. Um, or, you know, it was proposed and enacted by the people, but um, Florida has this special right to yeah. privacy in the Constitution. Do you think that even with our conservative jurists, many appointed by DeSantis at this point, that the Florida courts will hold up and, you know, adhere to the text of our governing document? Well, the thing is, I I don't know, of course. And um, what I'm seeing is that lawyer lawyers usually twist the law the way they want. And when there is a precedent that exists in another state that can be used for this state, so I just I just don't think that. Even a state constitution is so bounding that it cannot be twisted. But again, I'm not a lawyer. I have masters in a healthcare law. I'm not a lawyer. But I do think that they will try to twist it again. Yeah, I mean, I, I hope not because the precedents here in Florida from the Florida Supreme Court are pretty clear that the right to privacy is just it's part of our constitution. 
So, I mean, I want to switch gears um, because, uh, you know, most of us got a chance to watch these hearings. Did you get a chance to watch the January 6th hearing today? Yes. So what is your personal take on what we've just witnessed from Cassidy Hutchinson in D.C. today? Oh, well. <laughs> Go right ahead. Uh, no, 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 no. I, I have to take a deep breath. <laughs> well, um, I personally think uh, that... Go ahead. Take that deep breath. <laughs> <laughs> Everything that is happening in regards to January 6th is happening extremely slow. And I'm afraid that we will run out of time before justice will happen. And while I understand that she revealed some facts that may promote further investigation, the, the, we, we have to understand that the time is limited. And if in a year from now nothing has happened, then the Republicans are going to say again the same thing that they said during Obama era, that now we have to leave it for the next president or something like that. So I just think that Time is limited, and I, until I see the result, I'm not really happy. There is nothing to be happy about. Nothing has happened in terms of action. I agree. It's it's very important to follow up discovery with action. Absolutely. Dr. Solonkova, can you tell our, our listeners where they can follow you on Twitter? And is there a website you'd like to share with everybody? Uh, no personal website uh, on Twitter on Solnada MD. Um, so and uh, in the links that you have posted on your page and Scott has posted on his page, uh, my um, handle is there. Thank you. Well, uh, Dr. Solonkova, thank you so much for joining us on the program tonight. Thank you, Doc. We will speak soon. Thank, thank you again you. for joining. Thank you again, so, uh, and we'll talk. But we'll talk soon. I'll, I'll give you a buzz probably so would, uh, after the fourth here. You got it. So I would like to bring on a caller, and we have our next guest, Lauren Windsor, coming in as well. Amanda, thanks for joining us tonight. What's your comment oh. or question? Well, thank you so much. I was hoping to catch Natalia. Hi, Natalia. It's been so long. Um, I, what are the international implications of today? I, that's been on my mind heavily. That's a great question, Scott. Well, you know, uh, maybe we should have uh, Lauren help us answer a question. Oh yeah, the, but but, Ms. I'm, uh, but I'm making you answer that one first. That's a really what are the question. well? I th Thanks, okay, Amanda. so the international implications of today: um, we look like fools. We look like a, a weak, um, you know, country that was run by a madman, a dictator. Uh, and, uh, you know, they're showing uh, how evil. This is the mess, Amanda, that we, we talked about. Um, we have to clean up for the next few years. This is part of it. Um, and so I just think it's it's going to get worse. Like, it's going to get much worse. This is just the beginning. Like, this is not the only thing that he's done. Like, things are going to – it will crack. There will, there will be a crack, and there will be people that just come out of the woodwork, and it's going to be uh, like a wildfire. Um, this may have – open the door because I think people get nervous now that they're going to get prosecuted. And I don't think people want to want to be prosecuted anyways. Uh, and we're going to keep that discussion going with Lauren Windsor of the undercurrent. 
You guys have seen Lauren's work all over the internet. Uh, she is one of the most amazing uh, bird dogs, undercover reporters, uh, digging up the dirt on these Republicans by getting them to just admit the truth to her slightly hidden camera. Lauren, thank you so much for joining us on the report card tonight. Thanks, Grant. Glad to be here. Oh, it is our privilege to have you here, especially after that big story you broke with Ron Johnson, who I think is no longer a fan of yours. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm sure he was never a fan, but uh, definitely after this weekend, he's not. We, we posted three different stories on him in the past, uh, what, three or four days, and we still have more content on him. So uh, it's not over yet for Ron Johnson. I can I can tell you that much. So the senator from Wisconsin, otherwise known as Russian Ron, for his visits to Moscow on the 4th of July, I'm sure he'll be going to Sochi this 4th. Uh, he was uh, – you basically caught up to him at, at the airport. And tell our, tell our listeners what he told you. Like how did you convince him to just – spill the tea there and actually how how also also can you tell the lead up like how did it happen in the first place because i know that you're sitting in front of him on a plane was it just happenstance and then because it you know the people people want to know you know but but didn't the sitting on the plane happen after the well tell us tell us the story well so um i've been following uh these conferences that cleta mitchell is putting on and if people aren't familiar with cleta mitchell cleta mitchell is the uh, insurrection attorney, you know, one of Trump's attorneys uh, who was on the phone call with uh, Brad Raffensperger, Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger from Georgia, pressuring him to find, you know, nearly, you know, 12,000 votes. It came out recently in the January 6th hearing, committee hearings, that she had uh, emailed John Eastman and asked him to put together a memo on the fake elector scheme. So, you know, she was involved in the Brad Raffensperger call. She had some role that's not entirely fleshed out with, like, uh, you know, getting the false elector scheme rolling with John Eastman. Well, she works now. What she's doing is she's doing these um, quote-unquote election integrity conferences across the country in battleground states um, under the auspices of the Conservative Partnership Institute. The Conservative Partnership Institute is a 501c3 supposedly nonpartisan organization that is tax exempt. So your tax dollars support this organization. And what they are is recruiting poll workers across the country to, you know, all of these people are like the MAGA fringe and they're recruiting these people to go in and, and, you know, work elections in the midterms and beyond to make sure that, you know, Democrats aren't cheating. Well, you know, Ron Johnson was a featured speaker at their conference in Wauwatosa this last weekend. And so, you know, I'm headed to Wauwatosa on a Southwest flight on Friday, not knowing that Ron Johnson is booked on the very same flight I am. I'm sitting in the DC DC airport uh, on my laptop. I look up and I'm like, holy fuck, that is Ron Johnson. And all day... (laughs) No, all day I had been like, okay, I'm going to, and here's the thing, you know, I go undercover a lot. I also, you know, over the course of my career, I've done mostly bird dogging and 
in this particular case, I can't get into the conference because I've already attended one in Arizona. So um, I had been gearing myself up for just being like super confrontational with Ron Johnson at the hotel. And so when I see him at the airport, I'm like, this isn't like, you know, 12 hours from now. This is now. Like, I might not have another opportunity. I've got to confront this man, you know, either on the plane or when we land. So strategically, I'm going through my head like, okay, I've got to find the closest seat to him. Obviously, he's going to get like pre-boarding. So he's going to be at the very front. Um, and I was in boarding group C, but, you know, luckily the way that works on Southwest is like, you know, if you're in boarding group C, if you're at the end, you're getting those middle seats and people at the front, you know, those middle seats are open. So by the time I boarded, there was a middle seat in the row in front of Ron Johnson available. And that's the exact seat that I took. And I sat there and I just, I took a photo of him and I tweeted it out and I'm like, what would you guys ask Ron Johnson? And I knew what I was going to ask him, but I, you know, I, I like to crowdsource things sometimes. And so, um, I just, you know, it's not really a great thing to confront somebody on a plane because it puts the airline staff in a, a bad position and, you know, makes you look like kind of an asshole. So, um, to me, it was like, I'm in a great position to deplane, uh, you know, be in the airport. And as soon as we're off the plane, basically like launch into the questions that I have for him. And so we deplaned. Um, I was in front of him. We let some, you know, uh, other folks like kind of move out of the way. I moved straight over to him and said, Lauren Windsor with the undercurrent, you know, I'd really love to get some answers from you on, you know, basically the whole Mike Kelly thing. He was saying that Congressman Kelly had um, sent over this uh, slate of fake electors. And Mike Kelly had said the night before, that's total bullshit. I don't have any idea what he's talking about. I haven't talked to Ron Johnson in like a decade. So Ron was trying to play the whole, well, I never said I talked to him. Um, it was a staff, to staff, a staff to staff connection. And I was like, that's not the, the main beef here. Uh, he said that he had no knowledge of this. And so basically I managed to get Ron flustered and he thought he was going to wave me away, given that he was like, you know, um, surrounded by three uh, security officers, like slash like off duty police, uh, police officers. And I just kept like nailing him. I was just like, you were involved in, you know, you had a role in overturning our election. And he says, I only had a two minute role. <laughs> It was, like, mind-blowing. Like, he said it as I was, like, walking. Like, I was walking in front of him, and I was like, you had a two-minute role in overturning the election. And he goes, no, I didn't. So, like, immediately when I repeated it, he was like, no, I didn't. And, um, you know, it, it's – who says that, though? If, if, if you're being followed in the airport, asked about your role in overturning an election – and you're denying that you had any knowledge of it. And I say, you have a role in, you had a role in overturning the election. Who in their right mind says it was only a two minute role? That's not a fucking slip. That's not a slip. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, you know what? It's, it's like arrested development. 
but it's rhyming. I mean, you know, I may have committed a little bit of treason, everybody. Remember that, you know, I mean, that's, it's, it's astonishing. It's astonishing that, that you actually just, just being, you know, in contact with him and just, you know, relentlessly asking him what he was doing, uh, got him to admit, uh, the truth, the truth. How about that? That's the thing though, is like, they're not prepared for it. Um, if you're standing your ground, they, they are used to answering a question, uh, and maybe somebody asked the same question a couple of times, but once they kind of stonewall, like the, having the reporter slink away and, I'm not slinking away. Like I was very like prepped on the situation and, you know, he tried to tell me like, I, you know, I, I've been reading all of his responses, you know, to what was going on. And I'm like, I was ready for each response. He was trying to say that like, it was a staff to staff. It was not a staff. Like you mean to tell me that your chief of staff knew that those documents were fake slates of electors to overturn the election, handed off to Mike Pence and you didn't fire him because if, if if my chief of staff didn't tell me that as a principal, they'd be canned. You know, it, it, it just goes to show you how much they rely on these scripts. You know, I mean, it, it really does. And um, that wasn't that wasn't all of it, right? I mean, you, you were there like the whole weekend, weren't you? Yeah. So, I mean, we got him again, actually, uh, when we got to the hotel. Uh, my colleague who was inside, like he gave a speech. And, uh, you know, I was positioned downstairs in the lobby and he came downstairs and it was like, okay, it's go time. And this was just on my cell phone. This wasn't even like, you know, a covert sort of operation, but he, uh, you know, I'm following behind him and I'm trying to be respectful because he's having a conversation with like what appears to be fans. And so I'm just like looking for an opening and I'm standing outside with him in front of the hotel at this point. And. It's like, I think a staffer and, you know, some like fans or constituents and the staffer is like, you want a picture? And I say, yes. And, uh, uh, Ron is like, he looks up at me for the first time and he's like, you from the airport. (laughs) And he turns and I swear to God, he's like, he's not like, you know, like jogging or anything, but it's like a very brisk, like he's like running away from me. And I'm in heels, like trying to, you know, have my phone going while these like people are trying to intercept me while I'm saying to them, I'm like, yeah, um, I, I wanted to finish our conversation. <laughs> and so, uh, I'm sure he didn't. <laughs> you know, he, he was like, oh, I'm not, I'm not answering any questions. And, uh, you know, I, I, I'm in, in all of the hubbub of this. I don't remember what his exact answers were. I mean, it was nothing substantive because he was running away and he was refusing to answer, but I'm sitting there and I'm like, you know, um, do you really expect anyone to believe that your chief of staff didn't tell you exactly what was in those documents that you didn't know that these were fake slates of electors. And he like, you know, he's running over to, he's like running through a parking lot in between these cars over a median, you know, like in it, when I say a median, not like in a street, but like in a parking lot, like a little parking lot median yeah, he's yeah. Like up on, up on a hill. And so I'm like, you know, hoofing it in my heels to keep up with them. He gets to his car and, you know, at some point I, I switched over to saying like, why was it that in August of last year, I asked you, um, you know, uh, you explained to me how Donald Trump lost the election in Wisconsin 
but then you're going to go take these fake slates of electors to Mike Pence. Please explain that to me. And, you know, he gets in his car. And at about that time, I realized, like, I'm looking at my phone, and it had not been recording for the majority of the interaction. Oh, so no. Like, no, it was, like, the worst feeling in the world. My fucking, like, heart fell into my stomach. But I hit record, and I get him as he's getting into the car. And then I turn, and the staffer has, you know, like, her phone going. So they're... The staffer has a video somewhere, and I'm calling on the staffer to release it. She won't because it makes her boss look like a, you know, a total, you know, insurrectionist wuss. But, uh, you know, whatever you know, the case, it, that was like the round two. My colleague had a question into him. So we put out the third video uh, yesterday, and we have his entire speech to the conference that we've yet to release. And that's a doozy itself. So... There's more to come. <laughs> oh, really? Um, and, and, you know, I, I just wanted to say this because finally the train of thought that had left the station arrived again. Isn't it kind of crazy about how much paper trail <clears throat> this fake elector scheme is, is making? And don't you think they would have thought of that? I mean, come on. A lot of these people are, you know, just from working in D.C., um, older People, and when I say older, like probably 50 or, you know, 60 and above folks in D.C. don't really understand the workings of technology. And so I don't think they fully grasp the, the implications of like, hey, you texted people about this. And <laughs> of course, of course, the government is going to get access to that. <laughs> it, it's crazy to me. You know, it's like. In old school Washington, you would pick up a phone for that kind of thing or have a conversation like in person and not like document it for, you know, all of eternity. Yeah, and I want to give you uh, props, and I'm still jealous of this, for uh, being one of Trump's last tweets ever. And he quote tweeted you, essentially retweeting you, and uh, about <laughs> related to, you know, trying to overturn the election. And uh, I'm just. Uh, so impressed with your work. You're one of the, the best uh, workers for, for our democracy, one of the best journalists I've ever met in my entire life. And uh, mad respect to you and your work. Uh, where can people follow you online and what website can uh, people support you at? Thanks, Scott. Um, so on Twitter, it's at L-A-W-I-N-D-S-O-R, at L-A Windsor. Um, our website is uh, theundercurrent.tv. We are a, a project of American Family Voices. So if you want to support the journalism, you can do that at AmericanFamilyVoices.org backslash donate. And we will, I assure you that donations of any size are appreciated and it just helps us to have a bigger impact. So thank you. Awesome. We will be sure to tweet out all those links after the show and a follow request. Uh, Lauren, thank you again for joining us tonight. We really appreciate you. Yeah, Thanks Lauren, so much, thank guys. you so much. Yeah, it's, it's been a, a pleasure time. having you, you on here. This is just a great story. Um, and I think that any journalist needs to hear about the, the, the patience, the, the, the practice, and the preparation that, that you exercised to get that scoop with Ron Johnson because that's awesome journalism. Thank you, Lauren. Thank you, Grant. Anyways, uh, I appreciate uh, Lauren so much. She's been phenomenal at her work and everything she's been doing. And uh, 
it's just amazing to see someone with such courage and whatnot. As we wrap up the show, uh, obviously, uh, for tonight, I'm going to give Grant the final word, but I, I will just say, you know, I'm really, really uh, enthused of sorts by seeing everybody so amped up and fired up and ready to go, and, and I really appreciate everything that, uh, y- you know, everybody's support, but I, I'm, you know, keep on sending me messages, keep on telling me what's going on in your neck, neck of the woods, and um, I want to make sure that I amplify your voice and push a, as much as I can. So I really, truly appreciate uh, everybody and their support. Thank you for listening tonight uh, in our special episode. We wanted to really uh, build off the momentum of this hearing today. Um, so thank you again. Grant? Well, if you guys read my tweets, I wrote that I cannot put into words how much tea with honey I drank before tonight's episode. And I think that people on Twitter thought I was talking about spilling the tea, but I was talking about actual tea because my throat is not feeling good today. So I'm going to keep this short. You guys are the best. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, If you want, take a minute to subscribe on iTunes. We post the podcast as soon as we can after the show each week. We're going to be back at 7 o'clock, our regular time slot, and you can just mark your calendars. Generally speaking, we're going to do 7 o'clock, 7 p.m. every weeknight. And uh, this has just been, I mean, honestly, it's been a, a, a an insane news month. Um, you know, for me as a journalist uh, running a newsroom, it has just been one shocking thing after the other. And I can tell you right now that we left two or three shocking, huge stories out of what we discussed tonight. Um, and that doesn't mean they're not important. So take a minute, if you can, support the journalists who inform you out there. Get a subscription. You know, um, I just subscribed to the South Florida Business Journals today because they have some of the best local reporting in South Florida now that the Miami Herald is kind of taking a big step back. And again, thank you so much for joining us tonight. You guys are the best audience in all of Colin, in all of podcasting. Your questions are amazing. Okay, I want to thank uh, I want to thank Andrew, Amanda, and Mr. North Sasquatch as well. Uh, and, of course, all of our amazing guests tonight, well, Lauren Windsor, uh, Majid Padalan, and, of co- and uh, uh, Dr. Solnikova, and, uh, and Daniel Ulfelder, who is running for Florida Attorney General. And i got to tell you one more time, Daniel 4AG is his website. He's our lawyer. He's a fantastic person. He's just one of the nicest, most conscientious people you could ever possibly know. And that's all the show, so please come back. Next Wednesday night, we're looking forward to talking with you. This is the report card.